Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Positively Wrestling. I'm Tim Kennard, and of course, the heel to my baby face, the brain to my gorilla, the Slammy Award to my Slammy Award in honor of Owen Hart, (laughs) the double Slammy winner. (laughs) All right. I didn't get a chance to really think about it. That one was straight off the top of the dome. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Usually it's followed by my name. Yes. Yes, that is uh, Stephen Davidson, <laughs> if you're not familiar with the show. Ah, yes. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Right. Welcome. You don't know. Hopefully, some people aren't. Hopefully, we're getting new listeners, That's Tim. That's true. That's the entire That's idea. True. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. It's almost a new year. Ready for 2021. Ready for more of Dave Meltzer's mis- misogynistic underrating of female wrestling matches. It's going to be more of the same on that end, but hopefully in other ways, 2021 will be much, much different than 2020. Yes. Uh, agreed. Hopefully we're going to be on to bigger and better and brighter things in the new year. Um, unfortunately this week, we again have to start on a sad note. Um, and, uh, and like we were hoping we would get through the last show of the year without having to talk about, this kind of thing but then 2020 decided to go out and hit hit us with a double whammy and of course we lost danny hodge um wrestling legend and uh his again at least he had a full life he you know it was not unexpected you could say or not as big a surprise um Still a loss and still very heartbreaking. Uh, and then we also quite suddenly and tragically lost John Huber, better known as Brody Lee in AEW and, of course, as Luke Harper in WWE. Um, and this, I mean, just what a gut punch over the weekend. Uh, I, I'm still kind of beside myself. It still kind of doesn't feel real. Um Earlier, we were talking a little bit about Eddie Guerrero and how that was so crazy and such a shock. And, I mean, it took a couple weeks for that to really set in, that he was really gone. And with John, and you've seen an outcry on the internet, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all of social media, people celebrating his life and talking about him and some of the tributes. And it's very very touching and you get a sense this guy was just the nicest guy backstage was great to work with a hell of a father a hell of a husband and it's i mean it just it really sucks this just really 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 sucks yeah it 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 used to be and i hate to say this but it used to be almost common that current wrestling stars would pass away it, it happened frequently and it doesn't really happen much anymore. Thankfully uh, we lost Hanukkah earlier this year. And, and now John Huber 
uh, whatever you want to call him, whatever he was to you. But it, it's very clear he was a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the sky was the limit. We'll never get to see what he could have become. Um, it wouldn't have surprised me for him to have made his way back to WWE at some point and to have been something bigger, like so many people have done before him, like Drew mm-hmm. McIntyre and, 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 and others. Um, <clears throat> but now he, he won't get that chance. And it sounds like it was just such a, a freak illness, nothing to do with any of his lifestyle choices. He, from what we can tell, it was just a sad sudden shocking illness and uh what do you do i mean what do you do about that and yeah uh such a sad loss and of course danny hodge we i don't want to gloss over danny hodge uh like you said a wrestling legend uh bret hart himself greatest of all time if you ask me has called danny hodge uh one of the greatest wrestlers ever and uh he was honored just to be in the same room as the guy um big big name in nwa uh started wrestling in the late 50s 59 i think somewhere around there and uh was just a huge part of it for for so long and so going from a legend to someone who um isn't really going to get the chance to to become a legend that they could have been maybe uh, and losing them both in the span of a week yeah definitely didn't see that coming and uh, a sad way for a lot of people to close out uh the year yeah, definitely. Um, if you get a chance out there uh, and you can check it out, check out some of the uh, responses uh, that have been written, uh, particularly some of the ones that touched me were Randy Orton, uh, Bray Wyatt, Eric Rowan, um, the three right there. I, I was almost in tears reading what they were writing about John and their life on the road with him. Uh, but I mean, everybody has come out and and said something and lend support um i I read that uh jim ross and cm punk are donating a hundred percent of their merch sale profit to john huber's family uh for the next month which i mean that's just tremendous and um yeah i mean we're gonna miss we're gonna miss john i think he as Brody lee i think was going to be AEW champion at some point. I think that was a trajectory that they had him on. Um, and he was doing such Felt great like work with the, uh, the dark order. Um, so yeah, this is, he's going to be missed sorely uh, by a lot of people, but we want to remember him very, very fondly. I loved his work with, I loved him as Luke Harper. I was a big Luke Harper fan. He was, just the second coming of like Bruiser Brody, man. He just looked really, mm. really. He had that look, genuine look of like just a tough guy, uh, but also very animated, very fun. Um, I was reading a really funny story, and I guess they were doing it mostly on the road. Um, or, I mean, I'll have to go back and look. If it was ever on camera, it'd be hysterical. But apparently, um, Dana Brooke and like her uh, CrossFit training stuff and Seth Rollins, they had, you know, certain like training poses and John would try to sneak him in while he's out on the apron during a match and a tag match. Uh, I don't know if it was ever on TV, but those are the kind of stories, man, just make you never caught laugh. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in particularly uh, just as it relates to this, um, AEW uh, is changing their plans for their show. 
this Wednesday, uh, and it's going to be basically a tribute show. Um, and mm-hmm. for the memory of uh, for Brody John again, whatever you remember him as or what he was to you. Um, so I'm really looking forward to to see what they do. Um, of course, la- uh, Monday night on Raw, we had uh, the graphic at the beginning and there were several little nods and um like tributes individually from wrestlers uh you may not have noticed if you're not really in the know but like um uh todd phillips that that's the announcer right that's his name todd phillips for monday night raw um yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. uh because he opened the show well Uh, you know must be monday yeah, 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 which was, if you uh, followed John on it's Twitter. It's Monday, you know what that means. Oh, yeah, it's Monday, you know what that means. Uh, yeah. Which was something he did on Twitter. And Drew McIntyre did the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And then um, yeah. uh, Xavier Woods did the, you know, the the discus clothesline. He preceded it with the hands in the air like uh, Luke Harper used to do. And with a yeah, yeah, yeah. threw it in. Yeah, so um, a lot of people hurting and 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 lifting him up, and uh, I don't know. Did you catch uh, Raw Talk? Um, yes, yes, and, and uh, Xavier and Kofi uh, just uh, they they straight out put it out there, and you know, and as Brody Lee, they called him Brody Lee, and yeah, and uh, they just took it upon themselves. They're good for them, and yeah, they definitely talked about him on Raw Talk, and it was really nice. Yeah, and and I will say it. I'm not not to put any kind of damper on this, as because uh, I was texting it to you. I was a little disappointed that WWE didn't do more as a part of the show, um, like a ten bell or a video package. I mean, it's it's a minor thing, and I'm not bad mouthing WWE for not doing it. I just I was hoping for it, is what I'll say. I was mm-hmm. hoping that they would yeah. do something more. But like I say, we're going to get the tribute show from AEW, which will be nice uh, tonight. Um, But yeah, so uh, we're going to miss you, Brody. We're going to miss you, Danny. Um, A legend, and I believe a legend that was in the making. Um, So rest in peace. We love you. Hearts go out to your family and friends. Um, And just a reminder, you know, life's short. It is. I mean, Brody was 41 years old. We're both older than Brody. <laughs> so, yeah, not it, by much, not by much. But I mean, it kind of puts things bit. into perspective. You never know when your last day's coming. So make right. sure you make it count. But we're going to yeah. try and move on here. Let's try and get back to positive, the positive and positively wrestling. And we're going to jump into our uh, three count. And of course, it was your challenge this week. So why don't you give us the rundown of what the challenge was? All right. I wanted to know your choices for your top three baby faces, whatever that means to you, whatever you feel is important in making a great baby face. And man, this is another hard one. It was harder than I realized it was going to be when I threw it out there. I had to, it was tough to narrow it down. I had a number of good choices and uh, cutting it down to three was, was tricky. Yeah, I was, I went back and forth with mine because I was like, okay, because you can kind of approach this from uh, several different ways when you talk yeah. about what you think uh, is a good baby face and what you consider a baby. Cause I was like, okay, so mine is more, well, and, and you'll get, when we get to them, we'll, you'll see what I'm saying. They deal with specific times. Cause there are many performers and wrestlers out there that have been both baby face and heel. 
So um, mm-hmm. you got to be a little specific sometimes when you say, well, you know, his baby face run in, insert year, company, whatever. Um, and mine, I like, I, I think one of ours, we might have the same, possibly, but I doubt the other two that I have are probably on your list. They might have been on a wider list, but I don't think they made your top three. Um, All right. But uh, since you challenged, I guess I go first. And sure. My uh, number three was uh, his pre-heel turn in TNA, Eric Young. Oh. I uh, watched TNA pretty religiously when it first came on, uh, just because it was something new. It was some competition. And I knew that that might lead to better, you know, wrestling on both sides and from WWE when they have competition in the air. Um, and I really took a liking to Eric Young when he was just, he was bright eyed, so positive, And he was just TNA's quintessential baby face. Now, later on, he would have a fantastic heel turn. And it seems like he found his um, niche more as a heel especially as he got later in his career. But when he was kind of, you know, fresh in TNA, uh, I thought he was just a heck of a baby face, you know, just always positive. The fans seemed to always love him, even though, you know, he didn't win a lot. It wasn't about that, but he was just a baby face that everybody got behind. I remember him being scared by his own pyro. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that too. (laughs) Yes. He was like the squeaky little mouse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting choice. You're right. Not on my list. Definitely. 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 I knew that one was not going to be anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, my number three, after much deliberation, I decided to go with, and we've talked about her before, Miss Elizabeth, my number three baby face. She... She, no matter what she did, people loved her. But even when she was paired with the heel Macho Man Randy Savage, she was never a heel. And it was her demeanor that got Savage over as a heel, and or at least more so, and led to his legendary career. It was her demeanor and her performance that made the Mega Powers explosion the main event of WrestleMania five without Miss Elizabeth, would it have been a main event? Sure. Would it have been the main event that it was? Absolutely not. Uh, everything she touched as a baby face was gold. And she was as big a star as Hogan and Savage were in the day. And that continued until she left the WWF from, from the moment that Savage introduced her as his manager to the moment her WWF run was over, uh, she was one of the most over faces in the entire, I was going to say company, but really in the entire business. Yeah. Um, they, they tried her as a heel in the NWO and WCW. That didn't work. People don't want to boo Elizabeth. We love Elizabeth. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, uh, nobody was more over as a face and nobody was more effective as a face than Miss Elizabeth. I uh, cannot disagree one bit with that. Um, and also it goes to show, it's like, you don't technically have to be a wrestler to be a babyface. Nope. No. Valets. She never wrestled a match. Yeah. 
Heck, you could you could throw a babyface commentator in there in this equation if you really wanted to, but um, I don't could. think either of us did. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. No. But yeah, no, Miss Elizabeth, great, great choice. Uh, definitely one of the. I mean, probably definitely the perennial baby face of any valet manager classification period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Most managers were heels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Miss Elizabeth's great choice. Uh, my number two, and you'll start to see a running theme. I think we'll see if you can see what the theme, the underlying theme with my picks are. Uh, number two for me, me is Ray Mysterio. Ray okay. um, is, you know, who's always the guy you just you just never thought because of his size. Just how is he going to win against some of these bigger guys? You know what I mean? And the crowd gravitated toward that. Um, even when he had kind of a heel run in WCW, it didn't really work. <laughs> it wasn't good. Um, and like, you know, when he came to WWE, uh, everybody was just so excited and everybody loved Ray and it was kind of that time before it really became super flippy dippy wrestling, as some people say, uh, with some of the current product and some of the high flyers. He was that guy, like he was doing stuff that no one else could, and the crowd really got behind that. And he was just, he was, you always wanted to root for Ray. You know, you want, you want David to slay Goliath. And that's what I thought made him just such an incredible babyface. Yeah, even more so when he came to WWE and became a main eventer. Yeah. And you saw him going for the, the world titles instead of cruiserweight titles. Mm-hmm. And people just got more and more behind. The higher he climbed on the card, the more behind him people got. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so and can, he can generate such sympathy, too. Because um, uh, you talk about a guy that can sell for a bigger opponent. I mean... People ragdolling Ray around all everywhere, but he kept getting back up, fighting, and eventually winning. So, yep, that's why he's my number two. Getting, getting lawn darted. That is lawn still an image I will never like have out of my head. Is <laughs> Nash picking him up and lawn darting yeah. him to the side of the production truck at Nitro? Wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, good call. Okay, so for me, number two, decided to go with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. So over as a face, I, again, I've talked about this on the show before. I was at the Royal Rumble in 2014 when he didn't come out and we wanted him to come out. Speaking of Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio got booed. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, at least there were boos when Rey Mysterio came out. I maintain we were not booing Rey Mysterio. We were booing the choice to not have Daniel Bryan in the Royal Rumble and Rey Mysterio just happened to be number 30. Yeah. Uh, So that was when we found out. Um, but he was so over. Everyone loved him. The, the, the smart marks, those who weren't, you know, kids, adults, men, women, everybody, everybody. And still, everybody loves Daniel Bryan. But at that point in 2014, it was crazy. And it got to the point where WWE couldn't ignore it anymore. And they changed their WrestleMania main event plans mm-hmm. because of how over he was as a face. Yes. If that doesn't make you something special as a face, I don't know what does. When Vince says, all right, we're going to change WrestleMania, that's something. Yes. And because of that, Daniel Bryan got my number two pick. 
Yeah, and we're going to jump right in because I was right. We do we do share one in common, and it's Daniel Bryan. He's my number one. Um, All right. Yes movement, Daniel Bryan, to me, is the ultimate babyface run that I've experienced. Um, to me, it's just, yeah. it, again, you've got this guy that you see the talent. You know he's good. The crowd knows he's good. The crowd wants to see him win and wants to see him in the main event. And again, for so long, for whatever reason, they did not have faith in him being the flag bearer, being the top guy. And finally, the fans got through and made, again, uh, the monumental decision from Vince to change WrestleMania. Um, And yeah, I, I mean, the yes movement, you, I mean, Again, we've talked about this before with wrestling and its influence on other things out, you know, outside of the wrestling culture. But like major sports stars were doing the yes chance with the mm-hmm. fingers in the air. I mean, it was everywhere. It was it was akin to like the wave of Austin three sixteen taking over in in the mid to late nineties, and you saw it everywhere. Everybody was talking about the yes movement whether you were a mainstream wrestling fan or not, it was everywhere. Yeah. And yeah, Daniel Bryan, again, my top baby face is definitely 2014. Yes. Movement, Daniel Bryan. Right. All right. Well, obviously I, I can't argue with that. I, I did go with somebody else for my number one. Again, it was, it was not easy. I did consider Daniel Bryan for number one, but I decided, and I think this is going to surprise you. My number one, sting sting all right that is a great choice mostly because of the the longevity i mean as as a top name as a main eventer he was never anything but a face Mm -hmm. and he was he was the top baby face in wcw when he was not wrestling for a year when he Mm -hmm. was just up in the rafters for a full year, not wrestling, he was still over. And he was still the one. Goldberg was there, and mm-hmm. Goldberg was as hot as anybody. But Sting didn't have to do anything. He was he, he, literally, he just stood there and he was still over. And that was the match everyone wanted Sting, Hogan. And, um, and not just that time period either. I mean, from when he was. Bleach Blonde Surfer Sting, which is actually my favorite version of Sting, um, <laughs> up through up through today when he still made an impact because of how loved he is by the fans, by everyone in the industry. Um, when I first threw this this out as the three count, my brain went to Hulk Hogan, and yes, I mean, if we're talking drawing money, sure. But I also thought about the fact that you know he did cheat a little bit, even as a face, like Jesse Ventura would point it out, and so. To me, Sting as a face behaved as a face and was loved by everyone and drew money. And so, um, and, he, and he did it for decades and he's still doing it. So yeah. for me, I gave it to Sting. And an excellent choice. He was one that was in my conversation when I was thinking about my top three. Um, but as you can see, I, I went with an underlying theme. Did you see what it was? Um, now I have to think about it because I forgot that you said that. Let's see, you had Eric Young, Ray Mysterio, uh, Mysterio, and and Daniel Bryan. No, Sting is yours. 
and Daniel Bryan. No, oh, what is it? Perennial underdogs. Oh, oh always okay. considered yeah. almost ninety nine point nine percent of the time they are considered the underdog in almost any match they're in. Yeah, or at least during that yeah. time. Okay. Anyway, might not be the same now. Yeah, but um, but yeah. yeah. And that definitely that definitely makes for a good face. You want someone to to pull for someone that has to overcome something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty. That's a good three count. I like that one. For the yeah yeah best baby what do you faces. Got? Uh, my challenge for next week. Um, and uh, a little themed uh, with the recent events, but uh, your top three stables. In okay. wrestling history, your favorite three. Okay. Um, and right. I, to clarify this, it has to be at least three people or more. Obviously, just two okay. people. Yeah. That's a a two team. people version. That's a tag team. That's not a stable. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Okay. That's a good one. All right. It'll so take me a week to figure that out. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm glad I have time. <laughs> so we got our three count for next week. Uh, time to jump into the show proper and uh, going to be talking about the Slammies uh, from Wednesday. And uh, what went down, man? Yeah, so the Slammies happened a week ago. Some categories were voted on by the fans and others were chosen by WWE themselves. So it was an interesting mix. Um, Tag Team of the Year went to the Street Profits and that was voted on by the fans. Okay. Um, match of the year went to the Boneyard match, voted on by the fans. I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Um, female superstar of the year was Sasha Banks. Well that deserved. Was, uh, chosen by WWE. Yep. Male superstar, also chosen by WWE, was Drew McIntyre. And Argument then overall given. superstar. Overall superstar voted on by fans was also Drew McIntyre. Um. So, all right. All right. I mean, if, if we're talking just pure uh, accomplishments and success, like kayfabe, mm-hmm. I, can, I can see Drew McIntyre winning that. Yeah. Um, I found it interesting that the Street Profits won with, with things as they are now, mm-hmm. uh, with no audiences. It's hard to tell who's over with the fans. Yeah. So I was expecting the New Day to take that one. And so I was a little surprised that the Street Profits won. That tells me that the, the fans who are watching uh, like them and that they, they have done a pretty good job of, of getting themselves over. Um, probably not who I would have voted for, although I do really like the Street Profits. Yes. Uh, but good, good for them. <clears throat> the Boneyard match. Hmm. I, mean, I don't even consider that a match. <laughs> right um it's a it's a production yes um but i mean every match could be argued that it's a production but that is definitely that was you know several takes it was definitely filmed as you would a tv show um to get the best right. angles everything and i wonder because i mean you said that one was voted on by the fans correct yes and i wonder if it's more of a a taker nostalgia thing, you know, since that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And um, 
I mean, I enjoyed the Boneyard match. I'm not going to tell. I'm not trying to take anything yeah. away from it. It was very enjoyable. Um, and I'm glad that he got to go out on something. You know, it made him look good and not mm-hmm. have to be, you know, that Goldberg match. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it does. It, it is interesting. Uh, definitely not what I would have voted for for match of the year. I mean, for me, it's Bailey, Sasha, Hell in a Cell. Um yeah yeah for for sure the boneyard and the edge orton greatest wrestling match ever for me i i wouldn't even consider those to be in the running even that greatest wrestling match ever got several takes they refilmed parts of it and to me that takes you out of the running i mean right it's not the same thing anymore it's like saying that a, a film adaptation of a broadway musical is the same thing as the broadway musical and it's not, not from a performer no. point of view, where, you know, if you're in the Broadway musical, hey, you got one shot. You go out there and you either get it or you don't. Yeah. Not true in, in the film. And so definitely not true in the Boneyard match, not true in the greatest wrestling match ever. So ah, I don't even consider those in the running, but whatever they were. And I, I think generally in anything, not just wrestling, fan votes kind of suck. I mean, they, they tend to vote for surface qualities and don't really look deeper into, into the finer points of things, generally speaking. Um, but I will say that it's fair. Like, whatever the fans vote for, so be it. Fine. That's what the vote was? Hey. That's what the vote was. Now, oh, Tim, Tim, <laughs> people, Tim, what's wrong with people? The internet toxicity, man. (laughs) There it is. And there it was. There it was. I was seeing people talk about how because they'd advertised Ed Jordan as the greatest wrestling match ever, they should have fixed the votes to ensure that it won in order to save face. Now, this was coming from some other wrestling podcast whose name I won't mention, number one, because I don't want you listening to them instead of us. Number two, because I didn't bother to remember it. <laughs> and they, they were saying that, like, so this is exactly the kind of thing that we try to avoid here. They would have been so upset if news had leaked. And if WWE had done this, it would have leaked mm-hmm. that they had fixed the votes. They'd be calling them liars, cheaters, that they didn't care about the fans. And so when they do it, honestly, which they've always been very, very, very adamant about doing whenever it comes to fan voting, whether it be slammings or Taboo Tuesday pay-per-views, whatever, Vince and WWE have always been very adamant that they play it straight. Mm-hmm. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. And people are still mad. Like, what? <laughs> what is wrong with people, Tim? That drives me freaking crazy, and it's part of the problem. Not not the biggest part, but it is part of the problem with the online wrestling community. Um, I engaged with this person, and uh, I pointed that out. They even said the IWC doesn't exist because everybody's online now. and So that just means it's a bigger IWC. (laughs) It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That means it's larger than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just that, like, People just hate what's popular. That's what it is. WWE is the biggest game in town. They always have been. Well, they haven't always been, but they have been for a long time. 
Um, they were, and then they weren't, and then they were again. Um, and they are now. And what, how does it make you knowledgeable or an expert just to hate what's most popular? It's most popular for a reason. They're doing something right. And they did this right. And you still tried to find a reason to hate on them for it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, haters going to hate, man. That's, that's basically what it is. There's some people that that's what drives them is to tear people down and yeah. like your opinion. And it doesn't matter what it is. They they'll argue with you over everything. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You like Coke. Oh, Pepsi's the best. You know, it doesn't matter. It's like whatever minute thing. I like to part my hair to the right. Oh, it sucks. Part it to the left. You just have those people that, hate everything and want to be negative and they thrive off that negativity and those arguments. Um, They feel it makes them relevant. Um, And yeah, that's what we, we, we don't want to do here. We like, so we like to just tell it to you straight and be positive. And they want to grab clicks and headlines. So they try to put out the opinion on purpose, I think, so that people are, will argue with them and that gets more eyes on what they're saying and boost we did, their we popularity. Did, we did get a Twitter follower out of it. Well, hey, <laughs> we're at, hey, we're growing. We're growing. Yeah. Getting bigger <laughs> right. every week. I love it. That's right. Um, I still haven't heard from Belk. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. Belk, okay, well, let's see. Uh, hey, five guys, burgers and fries. <laughs> there you go. All right. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hot dogs, too. Hot dogs, too. And, I, I, you know, actually, it's Christmas. Don't know if he's listening, if he's a fan of the show. Hope he is. But uh, my buddy, Mr. John Yamin, has Super Game Station, best vintage video game store in the East Coast. Uh, check out Super Game Station if you're looking for, like, old Nintendo, Super Nintendo, video game of anything. But he's Very got cool. all the classics. I, I, I want to pause. I didn't mention this to you before the show. I do want to pause and, and do something. We do have some people that are being very supportive of us. Okay. Um, our, our friend, for one, Shane Osborne, you heard, me, uh, you heard me rag on him a little bit last week for not being caught up on The Mandalorian. But yep. um, he, he, he's been so great to us. And he actually uh, got a tweet with, with, that we're tagged and liked by Jim Ross last week. Um, or maybe the week before. And so thank you for that, Shane, our mutual friend, Nate Thomas, mm-hmm. um, very supportive. He put an awesome version of his own mega card on our Facebook yes. post. Yeah. Did a great job. I wish I'd thought of Steamboat versus Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah. want to see that. Um, so thank you for that. Also giving us a lot of likes and comments. We've got Adrian Sandoval, my friend, and we've got yep. Aaron, Aaron Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thank you all for, for supporting us and for engaging with us. We definitely appreciate that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, no, great. And again, uh, we love and cherish all the support. You know, we're trying to get this uh, show to grow. And hopefully it's because people keep listening, keep liking, spread the word. And again, huge thank you for all the support uh, from the people that have been uh, following us so far. We do appreciate it more than you'll ever know um keep engaging with us online it helps us yes uh likes clicks subscribes anything retweets comments comments, Mm -hmm. everything uh every little bit helps um yes 
But uh, moving on from uh, the Slammies, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some NXT. We had a tag team championship match. Uh, the champions Lorcan and Birch taking on Killian Dane and Drake Maverick in a street fight. An a real street fight. Street yeah. fight. <laughs> <laughs> unlike unlike the one from two days before. Like they started off. I mean, they weren't tagging. They were using foreign objects. They 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 didn't do you know wrist locks and, and collar and elbows. Uh, yeah, this is how you do a street fight. I don't know what that thing was from last from from two two balls ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this was done right. It was a good match. Um, I'm getting a kick out of Drake Maverick and especially the dynamic with him and Killian Dane, who's never interested me. I've never been interested in Killian Dane, but now Drake Maverick's helping. Um, <laughs> But uh, Lorcan and Birch successfully defending. It was a, a fun match and a street fight done right. Yes. Um, that is awesome. Uh, I only caught a few little highlights of this match. Unfortunately, that spot where Dane went, well, didn't go through the table, but landed on the table. Landed and, on the table. Mm-hmm. And then skid off the side. I was like, eesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if the whole match was like that, goodness gracious. <laughs> yes, yes. Hey, there's something else from NXT that i loved in fact i think i i love and support it i think we all do tim you know what that is right rhea ripley well i was gonna say we all support indie wrestling that's true we all do support indie wrestling and rhea ripley uh no <laughs> i'm throwing my own well, yes, bias in yeah. here um but no the- what a great series of vignettes uh-huh gargano family christmas um this was it was just so great from top to bottom johnny i i I put this out on twitter johnny gargano got annoyed with with austin theory the way i used to get annoyed with the upperclassmen in my freshman biology class in high school (laughs) i could tell it was the same feeling he was giving him the same looks i would give those idiots and it was just, I, I, he took me back, man. Took me back to my youth. I appreciate it. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Loved every bit of this. The indie wrestling uh, thing. That is tremendous. Um, yes. And it's like, Why didn't we think of that? I'm mad that we did. Cause when he said it, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. It's so awesome. fantastic. Um, but yeah, <laughs> love, love the vignettes they did. Um, the Garganos are doing some of the best work in NXT right now from a just character standpoint, they are really For hitting sure. home runs. Um, yeah. Really like that. Um, of course I, yeah, I said her name had a, a, a great match between Rhea and Dakota Kai uh, setting up some more, mm-hmm. uh, some more fight between Rhea and Raquel Gonzalez. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm down to yeah. see, that match again no problem um and then huh uh nothing oh oh. thought you were jutting in with a a statement or an opinion but that's okay uh (laughs) but we also had um of course io shirai come down to ringside and get attacked by a returning mercedes martinez so another potential challenger for Io Shirai. So who knows um, yeah. where where this is all going. Um, but uh, yeah, so Mercedes Martinez said, uh, you know, take me out of retribution. I don't want none of that. 
and she's uh, come back to get some Eoshirai. And that's, uh, you're, you're going to get a little bit of a shine when you're in there with Eoshirai. So good call. Yeah. And I, I like Mercedes Martinez a lot. Um, I liked her when she was in the May Young Classic. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this is, she's an indie vet, you know, <laughs> joking about indie wrestling. She is a true indie uh, veteran has many years of experience under her belt and you can tell. Um, and I think a program with her and EO will be a showstopper. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from some awesome women to some other awesome women, what happened in stardom that you got to see? Uh, I called it Tim. I called it long before they gave us any real meat to think it was coming. The Cosmic Angels, Tom Nakano, Unagi Sayaka, Mina Shirakawa, they broke off from stars. They are their own unit now. They uh, successfully defended their championships against Mayu and Starlight Kid and uh, uh, Kokigan, Kokigan, <laughs> Kokigan Death is what I'm trying to say. Uh, it was an elimination match. And... Man, the, the storytelling here, again, this has been some of the best storytelling I've ever seen. Three-on-three uh, three elimination match, the Cosmic Angels defending, and uh, first one out is Unagi Sayaka from the Cosmic Angels. Second one out, shockingly, Tom Nakano from the Cosmic Angels gets beaten by Starlight Kid, the one that Mayu picked over Tom as her partner in the Tag League tournament this fall. So there's some storytelling there. So it leaves Mina Shirakawa all by herself. Now, eliminations in elimination matches and, and any, in any sort of elimination match, at least that I've seen in stardom, eliminations occur by pin submission or over the top rope into the floor. Oh. Um, yeah. So um, Mina, who has not fared well in one-on-one competition since she's arrived in stardom, pulled it out and threw Mayu over the top threw Starlight over the top and got the pin on Kukigan Death and successfully defended the titles for her team. It was a huge moment for her. I think with another seven to 10 minutes, this could have been a match of the year contender. Uh, needed a little more time between the eliminations being eliminated, at least between the non over the top rope eliminations. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that match, uh, Tom officially declared that they are they are out of stars. And um, it's just, again, and I've talked about it before, it's just felt so real and so natural and so organic and not a cheesy, melodramatic wrestling angle. It's just one friend hurt another friend's feelings. And so they went to find more friends and now they aren't friends anymore and everybody feels hurt. And it's on. We've got a Tom Nakano versus Mario Watson singles match on the books for next month. We've also got another uh, championship defense from the Cosmic Angels against Mayu. And and let's see, um, Starlight and Saida, um, because they actually beat them before they won the titles. So that gets them a, a title shot. So that's also on the book. So this feud is, uh, it's on and it's going and uh, it's great and uh, Man, they, they don't do angles much, like I've said before, but when they do, they are really, really good at it. And so I'm digging this so, so much. Um, moving on from that to the show from just a few nights ago, we have new Goddesses of Stardom Champions. That's the tag team okay. championships. And so um, I guess 
having B Priestley go a week without a title was just too long. So uh, she and Konami won the tag team championships from Utami Hayashishita and Saya Kamitani. Um, I guess maybe now Utami only has one title. And so it does spread it around a little more. Uh, but yeah, that happened. But then after that, so this was the main event of the last show of 2020. They showed a video package mm-hmm. of the year in review for stardom to the, to the live crowd. And then after the video package ends, in walk Nene Takahashi and Yoshiko. Nene Takahashi was the first World of Stardom champion and the co-founder of Stardom. We haven't seen her in years. Yoshiko was the fourth World of Stardom champion. She defeated Io Shirai. She, she ended Io's first reign and actually never lost that title. It was stripped from her because she, she was shooting. She shot on a wrestler in the ring. Oh, wow. Um, and so she was punished and the title was taken from her. She never lost that belt, and we hadn't seen her since. Um, I'm so glad I went back to the archives and watched stuff from 2011 because this moment would have totally been lost on me if I hadn't. <laughs> um, but th- they were two of the top names, arguably the two top names, along with Yakuza. Um, uh, and and man, so they're back, and they were challenging Mayu Watani, um, and uh, everybody stepped up. Uh, Starlight Kid stepped up. Momo Watanabe stepped up, Julia stepped up, Saeeda stepped up and said, hey, we're here too, we'll take you on. And so, um, yeah, these two OGs from stardom from, from back in the day are back. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it's full time. I don't know, Yoshiko was really the one making the challenge. So I don't know if Nene is gonna be wrestling or not. I don't know what the deal is, but it's definitely exciting and unexpected. I didn't see it coming. Uh, along with that battle royal they have coming up, who knows who we're going to be seeing. And so it's definitely, it was an exciting way to close out the show and anybody who knows those names. Yeah. It's definitely something to be looking forward to. So yeah, I just watched that a couple hours ago. So I'm still excited. Mm, Sounds awesome. Um, Yeah. yeah, Very, very cool. Uh, Moving on to some AEW Um, butcher blade and bunny. You had something you wanted to talk about. Um, Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, um, so FTR talks a lot about how they're kind of the throwback to the old days of <clears throat> tag team wrestling. And people seem to, to, to kind of label them that way as well. And maybe kind of, but for me, I was thinking as I was watching them, I feel like Butcher Blade and the Bunny are more of a throwback to old school tag team wrestling from the 80s. FTR is a throwback to one team, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. They're the throwback to that one team, um, you know, just plain trunks, not really a gimmick, but then you've got Butcher Blade and Bunny. And I, I, I like them because they have a look, they have a, a kind of a character and you look at them and you have a sense for who they are and that their tag team, their wrestling styles, very grounded, mm-hmm. very believable. Um, I like it. I like what I'm seeing from them. Then you've got the valet too, which is very old school. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, they remind me of a bunch of teams from the eighties, not one specific, not, not a specific gimmick, but just the fact that they do kind of have a look and kind of have a gimmick. So I, when I see them, I think back to, you know, the Bushwhackers and the British Bulldogs and the Heart Foundation 
and the powers of pain and legion of doom who all had their own distinct look that told you something about them as soon as they walked through the curtain and that's what i get from butcher blade and bunny so i'm liking what i'm seeing from from them and uh i want them to do well i want them to be tag team champions uh, I would like to see that as well. I, I like Butcher and Blade and Bunny uh, as a combo, and I agree. They, I think they are almost more of a throwback than FTR. Um, one thing I was uh, thinking about uh, when it comes to AEW, they, and I, I wish WWE would get on this train, but they have a phenomenal tag team division. They really put a focus on tag team wrestling, and I really appreciate that. Uh, I mean, they've got teams on teams on teams of tag teams. And in WWE, you get, you know, tag teams that seem to be thrown together. I mean, you got a couple in there, but, you know, it's, you know, Ziggler and, and Rude. You know, it's singles wrestlers being put together into a tag. And I really yeah. like that they have a lot of defined teams. But yeah, I, I immediately yeah. when you were saying comparisons to to tag teams of yesteryear, Heart Foundation immediately came into my mind because you got, you know, one is kind of the smaller technical guy, and then you got your powerhouse, you know, kind of mimicking Brett right. and Anvil. Um, so yeah, no, I really enjoy uh, Butcher and Blade and Bunny's work as a team and valet and everything. I really dig them a lot. Mm. Yeah. But uh, also some more AEW. Uh, of course, we've been following the whole Sheeta and Abaddon angle that's been going on. And uh, got a little interesting this week. Um, yeah. I mean, anytime you start biting somebody, <laughs> that's, that's, some, that, that, that's taking it to a, a new level. And yeah, Abaddon came out, attacked Sheeta, of course, and just straight up bit her on the neck. <laughs> And it was crazy. Yeah, uh, it it was. And you know, Shayna Baszler did this earlier yes. this year to Becky Lynch, and people people hated it. I, I didn't, strangely enough, see the same hate when it was done by AEW. Crazy, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't hate it either time. Yeah, uh, look, both Shayna Baszler and Abaddon are supposed to be vicious people. They're supposed to want to hurt you. Biting hurts. It mm-hmm. hurts a lot. This was done really well. They had the whole blood trickling down uh, Hikaru Shida. I mean, it was really convincing. And it it gives us more insight into what makes Abaddon tick. Or if not what makes her tick, what she's willing to do. And so she she's not going to be your traditional challenger. She's going to be doing things that other people aren't going to do. And so that's definitely... Uh, it's a good take because it makes her different from everybody else and it's not going to be more the same for Hikaru Shida here which she's clearly known the whole time but now it's been taken to a level that even she didn't expect I like it I do too I thought it was done well the only thing I call into question was a little bit of the reaction from the announcers in particular hate to call him out but good old JR um just as an announcer to help them along, you got to kind of sell what's going on in the ring. And I'm going to be bringing this up in another instance or something else we're talking about a little bit later. Um, but yeah, he just seemed to not give it the sell that I think it needed uh, when he was talking about it. Uh, it may not have stuck out 
to many people. But if you go back and watch, it's it's kind of a lackluster call when he's talking about it. And that was the only thing I found wrong with it. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't I didn't notice that myself, but I, I was probably in my own head a little bit, kind of processing what I was seeing too. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I like the angle. I, it builds lots of drama and more suspense for this match. Uh, and like I say, even though they've wrestled before, again, we hearken back to that great comment she had on Twitter. It's like, yeah, if you wrestled an alligator and won, mm-hmm. wouldn't you jump back in the ring? No. Hell no. Right. <laughs> so I'm interested to see right. where this goes. Um, yeah. Of course, this past Friday night, we got a Christmas present from the WWE. And it was an absolutely stacked episode of SmackDown. Uh, I mean, from bell to bell, this was a crazy episode. Uh, The cage match with Owens and Reigns was uh, great TV. Uh, We got, of course, that great uh, uh, three-way dance elimination tag match. Uh, with threat. Yeah. Triple threat with the tag team, uh, female, the women's tag team champions, Oscar um, mm-hmm. and Charlotte versus Bailey and Carmella, and then Bianca and um, Sasha. Sasha, duh. Um, and I, I thought it was great they went elimination style with this too. Gave the ladies yeah, that's unusual. a chance mm-hmm. to really shine, and everybody got to kind of put on display. Um, their their talent so i was i really really dug that um and then of course i mean we have to talk about probably the biggest moment from smackdown and that's Big E beating sammy Zayn and becoming the intercontinental champion second time two times uh, two times uh, the 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 first time honestly it, not very memorable well, we don't talk about it much. We don't think about it much. It's kind of what I was going back to with titles. The, the, the champion has to be over. A title can't completely make somebody. If somebody's not ready for a title, it's just going to drag the title down. It's not going to make the wrestler bigger. And I, I think he wasn't ready for it yet. Uh, he's ready for it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Sami Zayn. Great Intercontinental Champion. But Big E. I don't see any reason why he can't be just as good in his own way. And so, um, yeah. Uh, You know, usually for these big holiday episodes, they aren't that big. They kind of, they go in the other direction. They assume people aren't going to watch on Christmas or on Thanksgiving or whatever. And so they kind of make them shows that you don't have to watch. Mm -hmm. And they stack this. They had those three title matches and they had Daniel Bryan versus Jey Uso, which we thought was going to happen at the pay-per-view a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. It happened on... (laughs) It happened on SmackDown here. We got that too. We called it, by the way, Daniel Bryan won. Yep. Um, and uh, so we got that one right. <laughs> and they, they stacked it. And it paid off. This was the highest, the most watched show, three and a half million viewers. This was almost like old times. Yeah. Um, it, it worked. Uh, average of three and a half million viewers. They dropped off after the uh, women's tag. By the way, just want to throw that out there. Sasha's money. Um, and, <laughs> but it worked, and it was so heartening for me because I've been worried. Like I, I love wrestling. I want it to do well, and I've been a little worried. But this tells me that the audience is there. The audience is there. The viewers are there. People still like wrestling. They just want a reason to watch 
Yeah. And so, you know, if, if three and a half million people can turn, can tune into SmackDown and three and a half million can tune into raw, just got to figure out what's not clicking. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm so happy to see that people are still there. People still love it. People are still willing to watch it. SmackDown is definitely the best show going for certainly for WWE right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was, I was excited by the quality of the show, by the matches on the show and by the ratings. Uh, very happy about all of it. Yeah. Uh, tremendous show. Again, congratulations to Biggie. Well-deserved. Um, glad that he's, mm-hmm. he's ready for it. And I'm excited to see uh, where, you know, he takes this torch and how far he runs with it. Uh, I think he's going to be a great intercontinental champion um, moving from SmackDown, of course, over to raw from a couple of nights ago. We'll start by talking about, uh, well, starts backstage. Elias is playing a one man concert <laughs> pretty much to, um, uh, I always forget his name. Uh, the Excellent. one who got Jackson Riker, uh, say the one that got in trouble, uh, Jackson Riker, <laughs> um, and which was kind of odd. And somebody's like, knocking on the door, and he's like, Don't answer that. <laughs> and then he, he finally is like, <laughs> You know, answer the door, tell her it is, get some class or whatever. And they're interrupting me, and in comes big old Amos <laughs> and AJ Styles. And Talk about what he's trying to listen to Mozart and they had to hear all this, this crap. And uh, I, I kind of dug this. I thought it was funny. I really enjoyed this and the match. was yeah. decent. I like the match too. Um, yeah. I, I thought the match was good. One thing stuck out to me. And we've talked about this before. Uh, Elias hit the drift away and AJ kicked out. And mm-hmm. I don't think a match. It's not even on a crossover segment. It's at nine 30. Mm-hmm. right in the middle of raw that's not the place to be kicking out of people's finishers it's just yeah. not that's that's it, it hurts the, maybe it adds drama to that match but it hurts future matches yeah and it takes the credibility away it was a it would have been a great match without that they didn't need that it was probably elias's best match mm-hmm. i i've i've commented to, to friends before that elias is best when he's singing not when he's wrestling and uh, this was his best wrestling performance, I think. Um, and it still would have been without that. It, I'm not saying he should have beaten him with the drift away. I'm saying they just should have done the spot. He just should yeah. have hit the drift away. Just yeah. leave that out and keep everything else in. Yeah, it's like I. either way, I would have had AJ win this match. But yeah, yeah. him kicking out of the drift away was a little bit. I mean, again, it's going to hurt Elias in the long run in matches right. he's in it hurts the credibility of that move. It's not being protected. And I mean, JR has been very outspoken uh, recently about uh, moves being protected, especially what's supposed to be your finisher. Um, Mm -hmm. Why couldn't that have just been like, I mean, given the size disparity, a power bomb that gets a real close Mm -hmm. two count or real close, almost three count. Um, But, uh, but yeah, but yeah, Styles ends up winning, of course. But yeah, the kick out from the drift away was definitely unnecessary. Um, yeah. And again, they keep it's a well they they can't get away from. They think that's the only way to manufacture drama sometimes in a, in a match is someone to kick out of a finisher. Well, yeah. can you even call it a finisher if everybody's kicking out of it? Exactly. Um, so it does take some of the mystique out of out of the matches. But yeah. Um, 
moving on, we're we got to talk about the Miz a little bit. Mm-hmm. A had a match against uh, was it Lindsay? No, um, who did he wrestle? Um, um, Grand Metalik. Uh, Grand Metalik. Yes. yes, and lost. <laughs> yes. Grand Metalik got him. Um, uh huh. And was just stunned. And of course, they're playing the whole angle. Uh, he's yelling to anybody that'll listen. And it's like, I'm still money in the bank. I never cashed it in. And I even mentioned that, you know, they brought that point up. So obviously they were going to be heading in this direction. Mm. I did not expect it to go down how it did. And no. kind of uh, almost like an afterthought is Adam Pierce is like, yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> Here you go. Here's your, here's your money in the bank briefcase back. Yay. It's like, what? yeah he comes just like creeping around the corner like the neighbor from family guy and just like hands him this briefcase (laughs) and and yeah yeah, it it, there was no pomp and circumstance to it at all um but i I, armed miz boy (laughs) i got your briefcase (laughs) here in my basement (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) good lord yeah it's a it's like okay he's got it back but What's his name? What's that character's name? Sorry, sorry, I have to stop. Oh, oh, um, oh man, Jasper, maybe. I think it's. Oh. It might. It might. No, that's Brian's cousin. I think. Um, Herbert. I think it's Herbert. Okay, that sounds Herbert. Right. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's it, not important, but I had to know because I couldn't come up with it. It was driving me crazy. Yes, but Miz <laughs> got the money in the bank back. Yeah. Um. Which I mean, I'm happy about because I. I like we've talked about, we think the Miz needs to get back to a top program, um, especially if it's done the right way. So hopefully maybe, and it might've been one of those things they had the plans, you know, to have it go down exactly how it did. And then, you know, we've heard the rumors of the panic button getting hit and we're getting kind of a reset at the beginning of the year as we roll into Royal rumble. Maybe this is part of that. They're like, Hey, let's back that up. Maybe we can do something with this um might explain why it was done so weirdly with him just being mm-hmm. handed the briefcase back basically mm-hmm. um so we'll see um i do want to touch on you know, we don't have it on our run sheet but of course we opened the show uh with drew mcintyre uh commentating for a match between uh keith lee and sheamus for the number one contendership for next week on raw uh and something i want to talk about in this match is of course, Sheamus broke kicked him out of nowhere before the match, I think like twice. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then they had a back and forth kind of power struggle, decent match. And then to me, it was kind of like an old school Hulk up from Keith Lee. There just came a point where it was like, nope, you have pissed me off. I am done. Huge double chop up into a power bomb sit out and it's like okay yeah one two three and i i thought i didn't think it was going to be over there that's one of those times where i was like i expect the kick out here i mm-hmm. do not expect it to be over just because of how it was just keith lee saying f this up down i'm done i'm the number one contender i'll see you next week drew <laughs> and I, I mean i wanted him to win i want this program um between keith lee and drew mcintyre i mean honestly I want Keith to win. I would I, like that. I don't think that's where they'll go because Drew McIntyre yeah. apparently is, you know, got, does have a lot of fan support. He is a top baby face right now. So I don't know that they'll do that. Um, but I wouldn't mind it one bit. 
Mm-mm. to get to. And what a way to start off the new year if they were to do it. You, you want to talk about taking things in a different direction. Mm-hmm. There's one way to do it. Um, yeah. And can, yeah. I, can I just say that Seamus has been very underrated throughout his career? Yes. Um, he He's such a great talent and he's, he's doing this, this role so well right now. They've, they've written him poorly in the past. I've talked before about when he was a face before and they had him as a bully, um, almost bordering on racist sometimes. Mm-hmm during that face run but it's much better now and he's always done everything that he's been asked to do and done it well um and yeah and he's a great he's a great wrestler too i mean he he yeah he's not a high flyer he doesn't do a lot of two counts or anything like that but um he he's very believable and i just really enjoy sheamus and yeah i thought that was a really good match between the two of them on on yeah throw. i agree fella I like Seamus a lot, uh, and he yeah. is—he's very, very underappreciated. I think sometimes, um, but yeah, he is really great. I, I think no matter what, we're still going to get Drew versus Seamus. That's going to happen. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. Even if they would put the title on Lee or something like that, we're still going to see that match. It's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you could even manufacture the drama. What if? Sheamus next week comes down to try and cost Lee the match and accidentally cost Drew the title. Boom. There you got your drama. You can set up a big match that doesn't have the title involved between the two of them. So many ways they could play this. So I'm down for it. Um, We have to revisit. We've been talking about this several weeks following this developing situation, of course, with Retribution and Ricochet. And we got a match between Ricochet and Mustafa Ali. This uh, Mustafa. Mustafa. I, I, I like <laughs> Moo better. So <laughs> Mustafa <laughs> Ali. Um, and Ali gets the victory. A uh, little bit of shenanigans, of course, from Retribution at ringside. That was expected. Um, and at the end, he, you know, he goes to ask Ricochet, you ready to join? You know, come on, come to the revolution, baby. And they teased you for a second, but as soon as he paused, I knew it was not going to be. <laughs> he paused, yeah. and like, oh, nope, we're going to say, I will not <laughs> be joining Retribution. Yeah. And they're going to kind of drag this out longer. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing yet, <laughs> you know, keep to draw this out because uh, it has been going have to see it play out. Yeah. Uh, it's been going for a while, so hopefully we, we get a, a bigger payoff uh, with them. But I, I had a thought about this. this about this match, though. Similar to when we got Bailey versus Bianca on SmackDown, I think this could and should have been a pay-per-view match. It's been an ongoing story for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, now, I guess an argument could be made that this wasn't the payoff, but if this wasn't the payoff, I think you could have had this turn in the story without having this one-on-one match to get there and could have yeah. saved the one-on-one match for a pay-per-view. Now it is arguable that the next pay-per-view is the Royal Rumble and there's only room for a few matches outside of the two Royal Rumbles. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, maybe, maybe that's it. And if so, okay. Um, but if, 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 if it's going to keep going, I, I want to see some sort of story development come in the Rumble match yeah um because undoubtedly we're gonna get you know a a spot in the rumble where several members of retribution are probably going to be in the ring at the same time 
and that'll be when Ricochet comes down or, you know, Ricochet and, and um, Ali will be in the ring. And then the next person ends another retribution member and then maybe another, and they can definitely use that to really further this and heighten the drama. Um, so I, I fully expect that at the rumble. Definitely. Um, and, and this is exactly how Mustafa Ali should be booked right now. This is exactly how you build someone and build their credibility. You don't just take someone new and put them in a world title match because if they don't win it, first of all, if they do win it, people are like, who's this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who's this person holding our title? And if they don't win it, they have nowhere to go but down. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is the perfect way to build him. This is exactly how I would be doing it. Some sort of program with Ricochet. And then the next one, move him up a little bit. Give him somebody a little higher on the food chain. And then somebody else a little higher. And then build him that way. So that the fans kind of feel it coming. And they buy it as he gets a little more credible. As he moves up the ladder. Perfect. I just hope they keep going in that direction. We'll see. We will see. Yes. Um, kind of getting winding down the show here and as we wound down raw okay another crazy crazy ending uh of course we had earlier in the show uh alexis playground uh and she calls out randy orton to be your guest he doesn't come down he shows up in the firefly funhouse wrecks the joint and alexa challenges him to a match or basically to, to meet her in the ring for a fight um and then it sounded like a match yeah sounded like a moment. match uh in the moment and then at the end of the show, we get back to Alexa's playground. Randy comes out and Alexa flips the script and says, I want you to do to me what you did to the fiend. Come on, light me on fire. And douses herself with gas- gasoline, gives Randy matches, calls him a bitch. <laughs> I mean, tries to egg him into doing it so hard and great promo work from Orton here. Of course he does great promo work. He's a vet Um, talking about, you know, yeah, I'm not going to do it because I know that's what you want. I like making people suffer. And then the lights go out a la when the fiend always shows up and then he lights a match and it looks like he's about to possibly drop it. And that's where it cuts. So we're left on this cliffhanger. Did he murder someone else? Did you know what's going on? And when I talked about we were gonna, I wanted to bring something up about commentators and how Jr. didn't really sell the action. Um, if I'm a commentator at ringside and someone's about to be lit on fire, especially in this situation, I wouldn't just be talking. I'd be trying to do something about it. Come on, guys, you are. 15 feet away get up and stop the match and i mean the lit match not the match match uh, not the contest inside the square i've i've, I've that sort of things occurred to me lately i was watching a starter match and somebody was on the outside of the ring i don't remember who it was doesn't really matter and they were like choking somebody else like with a microphone cord with a chain i think it was um and and i was just looking at all the audience members just sitting there watching it. And I'm thinking like, this doesn't make a whole lot of like, it, <laughs> if this was real, wouldn't all these people <laughs> be yeah. getting up and trying to stop the one woman from murdering the other woman? Like yeah. somebody, a human being is being choked. 
strangled with a chain right in front of you and you're just sitting there watching it yeah it's definitely a yeah uh, a little bit of suspension of disbelief is, uh, is required there yeah i've noticed something like that too yeah also um th- they talked about this on raw talk afterwards and said you know charlie was saying you know we, we saw him light the match and we don't know what happened and i'm thinking even though the ring it happened in is 30 feet behind you and you just had to walk down the aisle to get to your table like you didn't see what happened you're not sitting there going how did, how did they <laughs> i smell barbecue you know it's like come on it's something <laughs> yeah um so uh so, production team for me notes, guys <laughs> yeah so ending it that way for me didn't quite work i understand the temptation and and uh the logic behind wanting a cliffhanger but you've got some other things to figure out if you're gonna end it that way yeah um so i but i am intrigued i definitely want to know what happened i will be tuning i'm gonna be watching next monday anyway but i definitely want to find out and and it's gonna be like they're not even gonna mention it to the last 15 minutes of the show (laughs) next week we'll have to watch everything just to figure out what happened they'll pretend that yeah they'll pretend that they aren't even on the roster for the first two hours and 45 minutes like i don't i don't know no orton (laughs) randy who (laughs) alexa what (laughs) um so yeah yeah, Yeah. and and, an interesting raw from start to finish that is for sure um yeah i i'm wondering if maybe because we've talked about wanting to see the fiend version of alexa maybe this leads that's to what that. i thought we were gonna get yeah yeah so maybe that's what we're gearing towards it's kind of funny um or not funny but um they were talking when everything came out about the ratings and and vince you know and there was that report that usa wanted edgier content that was later debunked but it does seem like we're getting edgier content um mm-hmm. so whether that's because USA wanted it, or this is just a natural progression of what they were going towards already. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does. It is kind of coincidental. It seems that it's happening right after uh, the ratings fiasco. So, but interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, anything else from this past week you want to uh, talk about or highlight? I am good. All right. Well. What was that one thing that you particularly loved this past week? A very Gargano Christmas. I just loved every second of it um, from indie wrestling to the looks he was giving Austin Theory. It was, it was perfection and I loved it. Uh, I, I share your love for that segment. Uh, as usual, I am going to be the, the sentimental dad. Um, and my favorite moment is one I've only read about. Uh, I'm hoping that we maybe get to see some video footage of it. Uh, this happened uh, and re- recorded at some point, and we might see it on AEW. But John Huber's son, who I believe is like eight or nine years old, uh, of course, huge fan of wrestling. They brought him to Dynamite or one of the you know tapings, and Kenny Omega put him over and tapped out to a rear naked choke so that he could be the AEW champion. Um, I'm assuming this was like a Christmas present. Um, I don't think this was in response to uh, John being sick. Cause it seems like 
not a lot of people were in the know as to exactly how serious the condition was. Um, but that just, that touched me that, you know, they do this type of thing and WWE has done this type of stuff before too. Um, Connor, uh, from, you know, the warrior recipient Connor, who was that I still get teared up when I watch those video packages about Connor. Uh, but when he got in the ring and, and knocked out triple H punched him in the, (laughs) punched him in the face, which was really good. But yeah, that they did this for, uh, for, um, John's son, I thought was tremendous. And I, I really loved reading about that. Hopefully, uh, we'll get to see on an episode of being the elite, or they may even put it in the tribute show. Um, I think that'd be really classy. I'd like to see it, but yeah. Um, Mm. again, hearts go out to family and friends of both Danny Hodge and John Huber, um, gone too soon. And we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, Of course, uh, tune in next week for our next episode of positively wrestling. Uh, send us a like, share, tweet, subscribe, anything, you know, you can find us, at plus wrestlecast uh that's p-l-u-s wrestlecast that's on twitter you can also find me at timothy k you can find steve at bizarro doom you can search for positively wrestling podcast on facebook find our page there and again give us a suggestion maybe for a special episode that we can do sometime in the future Uh, you guys seem to like when we drop those bonus episodes Uh, we like doing them so give us some ideas we're, we'll come up with some more happy ideas on our own. Yeah, happy new year to everybody. We will be in 2021 uh, when we come back at you next Wednesday. Uh, have a safe holiday. Um, I know New Year's is a big, a big party night. I know in a pandemic, it's going to be different, but there's still going to be people out there having parties, having fun, be careful on the roads, be safe. Have a happy new year. Much loved, everybody. Thanks for the support. Me and Steve will see you next week right here on Positively Wrestling.